Hello, welcome to our podcast, Carefully Examining the Text. And today's podcast finds us in Psalm 89, verses 38 through 52. Psalm 89 ends book 3 of the Psalms. And we spent the last two podcasts talking about Psalm 89. Verses 1 through 18, praise God and magnify His glory. They particularly stress God's loving kindness and God's faithfulness. In verses 19 through 37, God's loving kindness and God's faithfulness was manifest as it demonstrated itself in the promises to David, in the covenant with David. But the praise of verses 1 through 18 and the promise and the covenant in verses 19 through 37 only prepare the way for the lament of verses 38 through 52. Many of the things that were promised in the covenant and many of the things that seem to be so true of God's nature seem to be violated by the realities of history. If we today are troubled by how history looks, if we are troubled by how could this have happened if the world is ruled by a loving God, a God who cares for His people, if we can ask those questions today, they have been asked for thousands of years before us. And they were asked in Psalm 89. Now let's begin reading in verse 38. And we'll read through verse 45. But you have cast off and rejected. You have been full of wrath against your anointed. You have spurned the covenant of your servant. You have profaned his crown in the dust. You have broken down all his walls. You have brought his strongholds to ruin. All who pass along the way plunder him. He has become a reproach to his neighbors. You have exalted the right hand of his adversaries. You have made all his enemies rejoice. You also turn back the edge of the sword, and you have not made him stand in battle. You have made him splend- his splendor to cease and cast his throne to the ground. You have, sh- you have shortened his- the days of his youth. You have covered him with shame. Salah. This deals with God's promises to David. I assume this was written after the fall of Jerusalem in 587. When Judah's last king, Zedekiah, was captured by the Babylonians, his children were killed as he watches helplessly, and then his eyes are put out. You read about that in the first 12 verses of 2 Kings chapter 25. And the writer doesn't understand how all he knows about God's character and God's nature All he knows about the promises to David don't seem to fit with the realities of history. I want us to notice as we go throughout these verses that many of these words seem to be a direct contradiction to the type of things that were uttered previously. You notice that verse 38 begins with, But you, 
but you. And this is going to introduce this strong contrast between the glory of his nature and the beauty of his promises. And now in verses 38 through 52, the seeming uh, incongruities of history. But you have cast off and rejected. This word rejected was used when God rejected Saul as being king. In 1 Samuel chapter 15 in verse 23. In 1 Samuel 15 in verse 26. God rejected Saul and now it seems like he has rejected the Davidic king. In verse 38, you have cast off and rejected. You have been full of wrath against your anointed. God's loving kindness had been poured out and promised to his anointed. But now it seems like he is full of wrath to him. In verse 39, you have spurned the covenant of your servant. The word covenant was used in verse 3. I have made a covenant with my chosen I have sworn to David my servant. In verse 20, I have found David my servant. With my holy oil, I anointed him. Those passages of Scripture celebrate God's covenant with David. But here in this particular passage, you have spurned the covenant of your servant. You have spurned the covenant of your servant. The word servant was used previously as it stressed God's relationship with David. For example, in verse 20, I have found David my servant, but now he has spurned his covenant and he's profaned his crown in the dust. That word profaned in verse 39 is the same Hebrew word translated violate in verse 31. When God discussed the possibility that the Davidic kings may violate his statutes. It's the same word violate used in verse 34. When God promises even if they do violate my statutes in verse 34, I will not violate my covenant. But here in verse 39, you have profaned, you have violated his crown in the dust. The same word that's used to describe how God will never violate his covenant is used to talk about how God has put the crown of the king in the dust. In verse 40, you've broken down all his walls. A city with its walls broken down was defenseless and open to enemy attack. And indeed the king was. You broken down all his walls and you have brought his strongholds to ruin. And all who pass along the way plunder him. This word plunder is only used four other times in the Old Testament as a verb, and each time it refers to an enemy plundering an army they have defeated after the battle. So the king has been plundered. In verse 41, he has become a reproach to his neighbors. In verse 42, 
The Bible says you have exalted the right hand of his adversaries and you have made all his enemies rejoice. We stated earlier that in many ways what has unfolded in the history of God's people seems to be a contradiction to what God has promised. And maybe verse 42 stresses this as well as any verse in this section. Let me illustrate. First of all, the word exalted. God is referred to as exalted in verse 13. Your right hand is exalted. And God has exalted the people in verse 16 and in verse 17. He has exalted the people. And God has particularly exalted the king in verse 19 and in verse 24. God has exalted the king. God has exalted his people. But now it is not God's king that he has exalted, but he has exalted his adversaries. In verse in verse 23, this word for adversaries is used there. And the Bible talks about how God promised to crush his adversaries. God was going to crush his adversaries. But in verse 42, God exalts his adversaries. And God not only exalts the adversaries, he exalts the right hand of his adversaries. This term right hand was used of God in verse 13 when the Bible says that his right hand is exalted. It was used of the king in verse 25. It says, I will set his hand on the sea and his right hand on the rivers. God's hand is exalted. The right hand of God's king is exalted. But now it is the right hand of the adversaries that are exalted well, God made his people rejoice in verse 16. In verse 42, God makes his enemies rejoice. Verse 42 illustrates how the things God promised in verses 19 through 37 seem to be turned upside down. In verse 43, you've turned back the edge of his sword, and you have not made him stand in battle. You've turned back the edge of his sword. This king who was promised to be the highest of all the kings of the earth, in verses 26 and 27, his sword has been rendered ineffective, and he has not stood in the day of conflict. In verse 44, you have made his splendor to cease, and you have cast his throne to the ground. This particular word throne was used in verse Four, when God said, I established your seed forever and built up your throne to all generations. God built up the throne of his Davidic king. In verse 29, I will establish his descendants forever and his throne as the days of heaven. Verse 29. And then in verse um, later, the phrase 
throne is used in verse 36. His throne will be as the sun before me. But now God has cast his throne to the ground. The God who is pictured as exalting his throne to heaven in verses 35 through 37 has cast it to the ground. And in verse 45, you have shortened the days of his youth. Verse 1 had used the term forever to speak of God's faithfulness and loving kindness. And indeed, this word forever was used seven times in the psalm. But now the days of the king have been cut short. And the writer wonders how long this situation will go on. In verse 46, how long, O Lord, will you hide yourself forever? Will your wrath burn like fire? Remember what my span of life is. For what vanity you have created all the sons of man. What man can live and not see death? Can he deliver his soul from the power of Sheol? I think he's begging God to give an urgent answer to his prayer. Because in man's brief lifespan, he longs to see the fulfillment of the promises of God. And he is longing that in his vain life that he might see the fulfillment of his promises. Now, some of the questions here, for example, in verse 48, what man can live and not see death, are a good introduction to the beautiful Psalm, Psalm 90 that is about to follow. We stated that the terms loving kindness and faithfulness are two key words of Psalm 89. Both of them used seven times. From the first verse, the psalm is celebrated. God's loving kindness and God's faithfulness. But now the question is asked in verse 49, Where are your former loving kindnesses, O Lord, which you swore to David in your faithfulness? Where are your former loving kindnesses, which you swore to David in your faithfulness? What happened to your loving kindness? What happened to your faithfulness? In verse 50, Remember, O Lord, the reproach of your servants, how I bear in my bosom the reproach of all the many peoples with which your enemies have reproached, O Lord, with which they have reproached the footsteps of your anointed. The idea of reproach is strong in verse 50 and 51, being repeated three times in these two verses. But they have reproached the footsteps of God's anointed. God's anointed has experienced this kind of reproach. The Davidic king, who was to be the highest of the kings of the earth, has been mocked and humiliated and set up as an object of reproach. Verse 52 ends book 3 of the Psalms. Blessed be the Lord forever. Amen and amen. All these five books of the Psalms ends on a note of praise. But maybe this is a reminder to us 
that book three of the Psalms is a small step in God's history. And while it seems totally inconsistent that God is ruling the world when we look at some of the things happening in the world, these Psalms where the writers are perplexed, asking where your loving kindnesses and faithfulness, these Psalms are set in the context of praise. Now, how does, how does Jesus fulfill Psalm 89? Psalm 89 is wondering what has happened to God's promises to David. The writer acknowledges that living a short time, he can't see the fulfillment of all God is doing. And he can't, he couldn't. And we don't either right here and right now. But coming from a later point in history, we do get a better vantage point of what God is doing. We get a better picture. And when Zedekiah was removed from the throne unceremoniously and treated in an undignified way that we've already alluded to, there was no king that sat on the throne for the next 500 to 600 years. And Jesus enters the son of David, the son of Abraham, in Matthew 1 verse 1. And Jesus is going to fulfill these promises and these longings. The writer longed to see it in his lifetime and didn't. But it doesn't mean that it didn't happen. But I want you to notice how strongly some of the words and ideas of Psalm 89 verses 38 through 42 are applied to Jesus. The term anointed is used in verse 38 and verse 51. And both of these terms find their fulfillment in Jesus. Jesus is the servant of verse 39. He is the servant. When he was crucified, his enemies rejoiced, just as they rejoiced at the fall of the Davidic king in verse 42 when Jesus was crucified. There was rejoicing, John 16 and verse 20. But I will say this. The question that is asked in verse 49, Where are your former loving kindnesses, O Lord, which you swore to David in your faithfulness? The cross is the ultimate demonstration of the loving kindness and faithfulness of God. God's anointed was reproached in a way deeper and worse than anything said in verse 51, anything that happened in Old Testament history. God's anointed was reproached and he was mocked and he was taunted on that cross. But yet, yet, in the crime where we see man's wickedness reach its ultimate pinnacle, God's mercy is demonstrated in a glorious way. The cross and the resurrection demonstrate his loving kindness and his faithfulness 
And the question is asked in verse 48, What man can live and not see death? Can he deliver his soul from the power of Sheol? Salah. Jesus died and raised again. And through him, this answer, this question can be answered. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who lives and believes in me shall live even if he dies. John 11, verses 25 and 26. What man can live and not see death? Can he deliver his soul from the power of Sheol? No, we can't deliver ourselves, but he can. May the Lord bless you and keep you.